another hectic week here at Run Talk SAHQ. My name is Brad Brown. Thank you for downloading and listening to this weekly podcast aimed specifically at you, the South African runner. We've had uh, a pretty crazy two weeks, lots and lots on the go with our comrades marathon uh, cheetah expose that we did in uh, episode 32 and the follow-up in 33. Uh, just so many emails and Facebook messages and tweets coming through. If you have sent us a, a message, thank you so much. And let me tell you, there's some strong opinions when it comes to this matter. A lot of people saying, you know what, let it slide. They're only cheating themselves. My feeling is, uh, yeah, they might be cheating themselves, but uh, it's disrespectful to the race. And there's tons of people who would have loved uh, to have run the Comrades Marathon or run multiple Comrades Marathons uh, and haven't been able to because of various issues. And they never, ever once thought about cheating. So uh, we're going to follow this thing through to its conclusion. As soon as we do hear anything about these disciplinary hearings uh, and the conclusion thereof, you will be the first to to hear about it. As we, as we stand right now, as far as we are aware, there are more than 30 runners who are facing disciplinary action. Apparently, Apparently, five have come clean and uh, handed their medals back. So that's good news. At least the wheels of justice are turning, albeit uh, a little bit slowly. But we'll keep you updated here on Run Talk SA. Uh, this week, we're still in the middle of our Comrades Marathon road shows that we're traveling around the country on. And uh, it was quite interesting because earlier on this week, I ended up attending another workshop, but this time for the Two Oceans Marathon. They're also on uh, the workshop trail around the country. If you haven't been to one yet and they're coming to a town or city near you, I would highly Highly, highly recommend going. I was really chuffed. Got to see Dr. Ross Tucker uh, speaking. First time I've ever actually seen him speak. Being Joburg-based and him being in Cape Town, we, we don't normally cross paths, but this week we did. And what a fantastic talk from the good doctor. If you've never seen Ross speak either, I'd suggest that. Uh, but go check it out. Really, really interesting. One of the guys that I met at that workshop was the 1986 Two Oceans winner, uh, Tulani Sibisi. And Tulani is fighting a battle that uh, is probably the hardest battle he's fought in his life. He's fought some big ones out on the road with some of the big names in South African running. But right now, he's struggling and fighting a good fight, I might add, against prostate cancer. So I caught up with Tulani and we chatted a little bit about his diagnosis and, and uh, sort of the feeling he had and how his uh, family doctor just kept missing it. And he gives you some great advice as well. So we also uh, shot the breeze about some of the big names from South African running. If you look back to the 1980s, some of the big Big legendary names, Thompson Magawana, uh, Bruce Fordyce, some of the big names that his battled that out on the roads. We chatted a little bit about that. And then we also, I asked him if he thinks the South African will break the Two Oceans record. There's obviously a million bucks up for grabs for that record being broken. And you'll have to listen to this week's show to find out what uh, Talani Sibisi had to say in response to that answer. But, uh, yeah, very interesting thoughts from him as far as the administration of the sport goes as well. And then we also have been receiving lots and lots of emails about uh, inquiring about Sonia Laxton's condition and how she's doing after her accident late last year. It was in November that she was hit by a car and uh, had severe injuries. But uh, really pleased to report that she's in good spirits. And I caught up with Ian Laxton this week to get a bit of an update on how Sonia is doing. The court case of the driver who hit her is in court right now as well. And we'll give you an update on that and when judgment uh, should be due. So let's hope that uh, justice comes through there as well. So uh, that's coming up on this week's show. As always, if you want to be in touch, you can email us, podcast at runtalksa.co.za. You can also tweet us at runtalksa or pop us a message on Facebook. Uh, and if you listen to this podcast through the various sort of platforms, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher Radio, I would really appreciate it if you left us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. That just helps other people discover this running podcast as well. And then don't forget the next comment 
Comrades Marathon webinar. It's free. If you're running Comrades, you want to check this one out. It's happening on the 3rd of March. And all you have to do is get to runtalksa.co.za forward slash comrades and register for it there. And we'll send you all the details on how you can access that webinar and all the information that it contains as well. But uh, let's get straight into this week's show. Enough of me rambling on. And we kick things off with the 1986 Two Oceans Marathon champion, Tulani Sabisi. Well, we're joined on the show this week by a former Two Oceans uh, Ultra Marathon winner. Uh, he won the race back in 1986. Tulani Sabisi, welcome onto the show. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us. It's, it's great to catch up and, uh, and shoot the breeze a little bit. Thank you very much, and I appreciate it. And I'm pleased to be part of sorry, I mean, Two Oceans this year. Tulani, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I met you last night, funnily enough, at the uh, workshop that the Two Oceans put on in Johannesburg. But uh, I, like I mentioned to you off air, I grew up in in the sort of era that you were racing in, and uh, I, I remember names like yourself, uh, Thompson Magawana, and and it was it was a wonderful era for South African road racing. If you think about back to the eighties, when when all those big names were really slugging it out, and if you look at the Comrades Marathon, guys like uh, Bruce Fordyce, uh, Isaiah Charlie, as well as another name that comes up, it must. Been wonderful racing in that era. Oh, those were the great days. I mean, the train athletics was alive. I mean, it's not like now. When really now we don't actually take attention to athletics. And I remember those days and I can't forget them. Tulani, tell me that 1986 uh, Two Oceans, I mean, there were big names in that field. You came really close uh, the year before and, and probably went a little bit too hard too soon, but you learned some big lessons in 1985 and you came back and won it in 1986. Talk us through what you remember about that race. I learned a lot in athletics. I mean, Bruce taught me a lot because I used to start very fast and in 1983, I ran his race and I blew and I ended up 11. And but after the race, when he laughed at me and joked about it, I told him, I said, the day I come in to run to ocean, I want to win it. And he laughed, but I knew I meant it because, you know, if I plan for something, I want to achieve it. Uh, Tulani, you, you str- I mean, we, we part, of, part of your story last night, they were, they were sharing with it, and, and that was what I wanted to chat to, uh, to you about now. Uh, it, it's been a long time since you've been racing at the top of your game, but you, you're fighting probably the biggest battle of your life right now, uh, and, and you've been diagnosed with, with prostate cancer. Tell us how, how that prognosis or, or uh, the, the, the actual, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, how, how you discovered that you had uh, prostate cancer. I had symptoms of prostate cancer from 2010, and I attended my family doctor. But all all, all the time I was attending him, he kept on informing me that, you know, I was okay. But I could feel that really I'm having a problem because I couldn't urine properly. And secondly, my urine was was burning. And at night, I would go to the toilet a lot. And in 19... I mean, in... In, in 2012, late on the 26th, I just collapsed, you know, and uh, I went to the doctor the following day, and uh, he suspected that I had prostate cancer. He took blood, and the following day, I mean, the following two days, it was confirmed that I had prostate cancer. On that very same day, I just couldn't urine. I was admitted at Paraguay Hospital. 
Okay, Tulani, so, I mean, you, you sort of had suspicions for, for quite a while, and that's quite important. I mean, it, a lot of times people don't want to talk about this because it's uncomfortable and it's, it's really not that nice to talk about, but it's important that especially guys do talk about it because you say you deep down knew that something was wrong. You kept going to your family doctor. He kept saying, it's fine, everything's 100%. In hindsight, do you wish you had gone for, for a second opinion earlier? In my belief, I think all the time, go for a second opinion, but even accept that. I would advise everybody who suspects something to go for the blood test because you can only pick it up from the blood blood test. And the secondly, also, you know, they sometimes use the, I mean, the thing as a doctor, I mean, on the number two, where they are able to pick it up if there is something wrong. And if there is something wrong, and then they will go ahead and take the blood test and then after them deal with it. And unfortunately, that's not what my family doctor did. But somehow, the very first old doctor that I attended, he was able to pick it up on that day. But my advice is, we have to be open about this thing. I almost died last year because my prostate cancer is not at the early stage. It's on the third, fourth stage. But I'm surviving. I mean, I have to be strong on mind and I have to speak about it. And I'm prepared even to somehow, if they are seminars, to speak about it such that people will be aware. I'm attending the urology department at Paraguana and it's so full I just ask myself if our government is aware how serious this thing is or us as people are aware how serious this prostate cancer is because at the moment I'm not running I'm just doing the working but I got great help from the ex-athlete from South Africa one is Johnny Hadelstad in Colorado and the other one who pushed this thing for me to be able to meet with two ocean, Bob Dolomite in Australia. And the, all those are guys who have run very well in this country, in Congress, two ocean. And it's just amazing that I'm getting the support from the outsiders. I mean, not forgetting the CEO of Athletic South Africa, Banele. He has also played a role. And I'm very proud for what he has done for me. And I can't forget those guys. But my advice is, we have to start something to educate people about prostate cancer. Yeah, Tulani, I mean, I'm amazed. You, you told me that story last night about the amount of people that are in that urology sort of department at Baragwanath Hospital when you go there for, for treatment. And it's, it's actually scary if you think about it. I mean, no one is talking about this disease, and it's a huge killer here in South Africa, and, and let alone in South Africa, but globally. But here in South Africa, people are just not talking about it. I think... Whether it's media, whether it's government officials, I, my advice would be go to the Paraguana Hospital at urology department either on Monday morning or Saturday, I mean, or Tuesday morning and see how serious this thing is. Because it's worrying me. You know, I don't, I'm not saying that I will die. But if I die one day and this thing is not attended the way it is, I don't think I would have, I mean, I would be happy on my grave, not being able to convey the message to the public that we have to do something about this. To me, that is very, very, very important. 
Okay, so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to chat to, to Lani uh, today was just to, to get word out there. And, and if you're a guy and uh, you are concerned, go get checked out. Uh, make sure you go for regular update, uh, regular checkups as well. That's pretty important. Tulani Sabisi, I wanted to ask you as well, it was a question that came up at last night's uh, workshop for, for the Two Oceans 2. There's big prize money uh, that's been put up by Old Mutual for the, ocean, uh, for the Two Oceans this year if uh, the record gets broken. And it's a record that stood for a long, long time in the men's race. Do you think that a South African runner could win that million rand that's uh, up for grabs this year? If we look at the state of athletics in South Africa, I doubt very much that you can tell me who you could tip in South Africa to win the two oceans. Whereas in our days, we would have names about 10 or more than 10 people as South African you could tip to run the Soweto Marathon. For you to be able to, I mean, to run the two oceans, for you to be able to do well in two oceans, already races, either now in January or now, we should have an indication from the guys who can run very well into ocean. We used to run Peninsula Marathon as a cat. You won't go all out to, I mean, to run very good time like we are racing that race full out. But you'll re- run that race as a test, as a, prepar- a preparation to run to ocean. When you go to two ocean, you have got an idea more or less as to how you can perform into ocean. Nowadays, it doesn't happen. And I doubt very much any South African will be able to break the two-ocean record of Thompson Makawan. He was a great runner. Over and above, if there will be Kenyan guys who are coming here to run this race, and I think somehow they will have to be aware of the hills of the Constantia and Chetchmon Park, what can take out of them. Because if they will run it like they are running London Marathon, Boston Marathon, or Rotterdam Marathon. Two Ocean is a total two different races. The race is on its own. It's two races. Because you have got the first half, which is completely different to the second half. If you don't know how to run the first half carefully for you to run well on the second half, you'll get into trouble. If you know how well to run on the first half for you to perform on the second half, then you'll have a good Two Ocean. But I doubt how many people are aware as South African or international to break that record. So that's actually great advice, not just for, for the internationals coming out. I mean, even the guys at the back of the pack, like myself, uh, who, who are running their first two oceans this year, that's, that's pretty good advice because it is. I mean, that, that sting in the second half, you need to make sure you, you've gone really easy in that first half to make sure you've got enough in the tank to get you through that second half. You know, we have got a race called Two Ocean, and I called Two Ocean as two races as well, the first half and the second half. Just like Comrade, we have got it in, in stages. If you run Comrade very hard from the beginning, up, 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 going the up run, you'll be in trouble. If you run the uh, same way, Two Ocean very hard from the beginning, second half will punish you, as I said it earlier on. And the, I'm pleased that Two Ocean gave me the opportunity to be part of the workshop and be able to relate that information to the athlete as a benefit of athletics and to ocean as well, because they also help me to, I mean, for medication, to, I mean, to recover. They are paying for that. But also, it helps the athletics as a whole, that information. 
one key thing that we need to understand. Training has got to be done as early as from November, December. And then now you should be knowing more or less what you are capable of doing, regardless of whether you are racing for win or you are not racing for a win. Because to me, I would not consider athletes as the athletes who run from the front one to win. I respect the athletes who are running backwards because they spend more time than the athletes who run from the front. And those guys are the ones who make the race successful. And I'm giving them that advice. Because more, normally top athletes, they know what more or less to do, but back runners, they don't. And the, the advice that I'm giving, I'm giving it to them. But if it's their first two oceans, be careful on the first half. If it's their second two oceans, you didn't have a good two oceans, from what you have learned and what I'm giving you now, consider those things and make it a very good package. When you go up Constantinople, you're still running well and you are still happy and proud that you'll have a good run. But if you have messed it up on the beginning, believe me, you won't like that rate going up Constantinople and it demoralizes you. And you may end up taking decision of not running well. I mean, running next year. And of which you got yourself into trouble. Talani, so, just to wrap up, you, you mentioned that uh, the, the South African runners, there's, there's absolutely no one who's, who's really threatening to, to break that record now. We're really struggling to to produce world class marathon runners at at the moment. When it comes to 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 South African athletes, what can we do, and and what needs to be done to get back to to the the height that we were at? I mean, if you think about some of the big names, we mentioned some of them early on in the show. But if you think back to to the nineteen ninety six Olympic Games, to to uh, Desire Tugani winning uh, the Olympic marathon, we're a long way off uh, really beating the best in the world. What can we do to really, really improve our, our long-distance runners? One, I will refer you to the world record holder of the marathon. I mean, Wilson Kipseng, which we, we were watching his video, you and me, yesterday. He doesn't talk about money. He's passionate about athletics. He, to him, it was about winning the race and be proud and enjoying that sharing of the people when he was running there and when he was reaching that finish line. And I think that's what our athletes need to understand. If you don't have passion and if you are not committed to run, that comes from training. If training is not done properly, you are not going to have a good race. And if you are not focused, as I said earlier on, and think this thing can come on its own. There is no miracle in athletics. It's all about hard work. And it's about the love of the sport. Money is only the reward. You get rewarded after you have won. But if it's money before and the race comes after, unfortunately, you are not going to do well. And it doesn't just happen to the athletes. Our administrators in athletics, as like now, we don't know who the president we don't know who's in charge of the athletics. As long as it's still like that, and we can't sort it out as South Africans, we have got no way forward in athletics. We have to correct those two things from the athletics point of view of administration and on the coaching point of view of athletics, making the, under, I mean, the athletes understand that athletics is about loving it to do it first before you win it.
and when you win it, you will be rewarded. But don't think of money, and don't think of popularity to think I'm a president of athletics, but you are not serving the athletics as a whole. And those are the things that, that we have to understand it. And I doubt very much in South Africa we understand it that well. Because most of those athletes, if you remember, they were coming from the mine. And the mine had a very good structure of athletics. And they, we are coming from the university. And the university has had very good structure of athletics. Much like it was in Colorado. A, a world champion in marathon. He's a vet student. He won all the South African races being a student at vet. Where do we get athletes who will win events now coming from the university, whether in Cape Town University or Vets or Stellenbosch? We don't. But during the days of Elena Mayer at Stellenbosch, we'll have her winning the race. In Free State, you'll have Zolapad winning the race. Nowadays, we don't get students winning the race. And we don't get people winning races from the structures like mine. And they kill the structure of athletics in mine. So it's very important, it's very important to, un- to prefer our history back to those things. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Tulani Sabisi, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week on the show. I think you're talking total, total sense. Uh, and let's hope that the powers that be in Athletics uh, South Africa sort their nonsense out and uh, get the sport back to where it should be and where we all want to see it be. I thank you, Brett. And I thought, I mean, I, I hope whatever we discussed today was constructive and it's building athletics in, I mean, in South Africa. And I hope also you will contribute, as we are contributing now, continue contributing to make people aware of what is happening in athletics. And thank you very much, my friend. But I will make sure that the project that we spoke about of the camp, something has to be done about it. I'm, pre- I'm prepared to be part of it. Whoever wants us to start initiating something, I want to be part of that. And thank you. Brilliant. And Talani, all the best with your, your fight against that prostate cancer. You, you're very positive, and, and I'm sure you're going to beat it. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Thanks. I thank God. I thank Tony. I thank Manel. I thank Bob Dolomite. They are the ones who saved my life. Thank you. Joined by Ian Laxton. Ian, we chatted towards the end of last year after Sonia's accident just to get an update on her condition. And I think it was she was still in hospital and you were saying you were hoping she'd be home by Christmas. And the good news was she was. I saw her about three weeks ago. She opened the front door and I, I popped by her house and I nearly fell over backwards. She was in, in such good physical shape. But tell us a little bit about how, she, how she's doing since, since getting out of hospital and, and since the accident. Well, Brad, she's, she's coming on fine, generally speaking, but there's still some residual injuries in her shoulder and her arm, the, the right shoulder and arm are, are, are very badly injured, and and they were they were put together sort of with bits of string and and, and rope and, and and pieces of, of wood to keep her arm and shoulder together, um, and that is that is still giving her a lot of trouble. It's not painful, but the mobility is very limited. So there's a lot of rehab going, a lot of physio, a lot of exercising happen for that right shoulder. But the leg, the broken leg is okay. The other arm is okay. The ribs have healed. The spine is okay, but but she's very down in the dumps about that arm. I was, I was going to ask her, her spirit, how is she doing from a, from a mental perspective? Up and down. You know, um, it's very difficult to know exactly what, where this thing's going to end up because with such limited mobility, 
you don't know if it's ever going to, it certainly never will, she'll never straighten her right arm again, no. ever. But whether it'll get to, you know, 90% straight or 50% straight, we don't know. And there may even be another operation. So that's all x-rays and, and, and orthopedic surgeons and stuff. And as far as her getting out and, and walking and, and possibly running again? Well, she's, she's gymming which is a stationary bike, and she does a little limited exercises. Obviously not upper body stuff because she can't do that. Um, and she's doing walking. She can walk for about an hour, quite hard, but no jogging yet. No, it's almost a mental thing. I think she just wants to kind of get the arms sorted. Mm, okay. And, and as far as the actual case goes, I know it was in, in court, uh, it was a week, week and a half ago, about now. Uh, first, first day in court. Uh, how's that looking? It was very interesting. Um, the accused guy was there, faced eight charges. He got absolutely nailed by the prosecution. It was quite, it was quite interesting to see. But there was a couple of witnesses, and the defence has got to call some witnesses. But the final court case, in fact, is on the 26th of February okay. so just in the Hilbrow Magis Court. So that's where it's all going to take place. But you know what? We, we kind of almost casual observers. Um, I don't. I just hope the law takes its course. But, but the guy looked extremely bored. He sat there like he nearly fell asleep. But you, you say eyewitnesses. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it because it's still in court. But there was there was one that you didn't even know about, a, a bit of a, uh, a good Samaritan, it turns out, who, who ended up helping big time on the day. Well, in fact, it's not sub court at all because it was in court and she gave testimony in open court. And it was a, a, a lady, a university law student, that happened to see this whole thing and saw the guy drive off. And she chased him on a quite a spectacular car chase through the northern suburbs of Joburg and cornered him in a cul-de-sac and got his number. That's amazing. I, I just, I love the fact, I mean, she could have just looked at it and thought, you know what, I'm not going to get involved, but she decided to, to get involved, and, and she's of the attitude she wants to see justice, don't you? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I asked her, I said, look, why did you do this? Because, I mean, they, they were going at 100 k's an hour down Oxford Road, you know, through robots and things. And I said, why did you bother? And she said, you know, there's, there's too much injustice in this country, and I just saw this thing. I saw this woman get hurled into the air, and I just wanted to catch him. That's amazing. Ian, please send on our best to Sonia as well and our listeners. We get tons of emails every week asking how she's doing. So thanks for filling us in. Pleasure. Thanks, Brad. Well, that's episode 34 done and dusted. I hope you enjoyed the show uh, as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Talani Sabisi and Ian Laxon, thank you both for your time this week. It's an absolute pleasure catching up with both of you. And so, yeah, until next week, if you want to be in touch, if you've got any feedback or suggestions or comments, please pop us a mail podcast at runtalksa.co.za. You can tweet us at runtalksa or... Uh, you can pop us a message on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com forward slash uh, runtalksa. Until next week, uh, have yourself an absolutely superb, superb week. If you're into cycling, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, I had a really cool chat with the 2013 Tour de France champion, Chris Froome. Uh, and uh, yeah, very, very cool. It uh, took place in the last week, and if you want to listen to that interview, you can. It's available right now. All you need to do is get over to this website. It's www.cycletalksa.co.za forward slash 22. It's on episode 22, okay? So it's cycletalksa.co.za forward slash 22. Go have a listen to the interview. Uh, really enjoyed my chat with him, and it's uh, yeah, hell of a nice guy. If you're into cycling, check that out. So until next week, have yourself a brilliant one. Uh, if you're planning a qualifier or if you're running your qualifier for Comrades this week, all the best. If you're running a race somewhere else and uh, perhaps you're not qualifying for Comrades or doing your first half marathon, whatever it is, let us know how it goes. Uh, email us, podcast at uh, runtalksa.coza. Until next week, from myself, Brad Brown, cheers.